Hey there, welcome back to my Women's Empowerment Podcast. And on this episode of the podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by number one international best-selling author, Kerry Hummingbird, who's also a soul guide and the host of the Soul Nectar Show. Hello, Kerry, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm delighted to be here. We love to have you and I'm dying to delve into the book. So yes, we're, um, you're also the um, international best-selling author of The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama and the award-winning best-selling book, Awakening to Me, One Woman's Journey to Self-Love. And that describes the early years of your spiritual awakening. And you also inspire people to lead their lives wide awake with authenticity, passion, and purpose, which is what we all want these days, I think. And you catalyze mind shifts that transform, helps people transform their lives into gifts of wisdom. And it's your newest book that we're here to talk about today, Love is Fierce, Healing the Mother Wound. And I can't wait to dive into the conversation with you. <laughs> yes, I'm excited to be here and talk about this. Okay, Kerry. So um, what I wanted to, I mean, there's so many different things that I could uh, start talking to you about from the book. So I wanted to start with looking at the mother wound from the point of view of someone who's a mother themselves now and through the process of parenting realizes what they, that they actually have this thing called a mother wound because as well for me as a mother of two sons, I've been on my own journey. And in order for me to grow as a mother, I have been challenged to look at my own mother wound so that I could be the better mother I wanted to be. So I'm referring to a question that you ask in the book, which says, how can mothers stand for the children if they can't stand for themselves? So I'd love you to kind of tease that out with us and to speak to that. Yes, absolutely. It's such a powerful um, realization that I had in my own journey. And I will share about this um, by owning my own story, which then perhaps people that are listening will say, hey, I'm also going through that. So in my journey, when I said, how can mothers stand for the children if they can't stand for themselves? Um, indeed, a big part of my journey in my marriage was learning how to stand up for myself and speak my truth and share my truth and follow my true path, whatever I was inspired to at the moment, um, with a lot of pushback from my partner. And, um, you know, and I felt very disrespected by him. I felt like my intuition, my knowing was very disrespected by him, especially as I stepped into motherhood. What started happening for me was um, I, things were changing inside my body. And all of a sudden I was aware of intuition. Like I just kind of knew something and it was hard for me to trust that because um, I was conditioned to think that there should be some evidence behind my position. You know, like I should have some paper evidence by an external authority to back up what I had to say. Yeah. And, you know, and I don't know if you, if you've had the same experience, but um, that's kind of how the world has been working. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a very masculine mind, um, uh, patriarchal top down mm -hmm. external pathway system that we've been indoctrinated into, but motherhood isn't anything like that. Motherhood is actually, the windy wild path that leads into the unknown 
uh, journey through the forest. And, you know, there's unexpected challenges, there's mysteries, there's emotion out of nowhere, there's um, intense instinctive protection mechanisms that flare up from time to time. And, um, and all of that's very, you know, very present inside of a mother's body from my personal experience. And so I was feeling all these things and just knowing like, this is not right what's going on. You know, I don't like this dynamic. Um, I had boys, uh, same as you, and I, I just thought, well, I don't like the way this dynamic's going father to son. This is not working out for me. <laughs> I don't like this energy. I don't know what's going on here. But I really felt like I needed to intercede a lot and, um, and temper that with something more loving and gentle. And in the process of doing that, you know, um, you know, I just think that we, we were new parents and there's not exactly a handbook. No. You know, <laughs> for how to be a parent. Sure. <laughs> <clears throat> and I think I had this, I had this notion inside of me of do no harm. Like the, my ultimate goal was like, do no harm. But then when you consider that goal of like, do no harm, what does that even mean? Like, how do you do no harm? I mean, you're, you're living your life. You're going through your own journey as I was as a mother. I'm, I'm 30 something. I'm going through my own set of, of awakenings, my own um, upheaval inside. And now I've got this little baby and then I've got this, this husband who's going through his own journey inside and, and dealing with his own ancestral patterns. And here we meet and, you know, we, we have, and then we're in the middle of the, of this big time of transition, which of course at 30 years old, I didn't understand any of this, but looking back, I can see it clearly. Um, so by the time I had my second son, I was very firmly like starting to practice my own intuition. And I was um, applying that it was starting to spread to other areas of my life. Like um, it was spreading into artwork, for example, and becoming a, an artist and noticing um, the law of attraction. You know, I was starting to notice, oh, wow, like that booth is always making sales. What's unique about them? Because their product is kind of, you know, not so great. I don't understand why people are flocking in there. And so I got curious about this law of attraction. So um, there's, so what I'm trying to say is that motherhood awakens within a woman, at least it did for me, this intuitive sense that there's something bigger happening that's invisible, that is really hard to run an experiment on in the sense of like a scientific experiment and write a dissertation about it. Um, although people have tried and, you know, it's like, uh, and because it's so geared to the individual, it's hard to prove it on a mass scale that it's going to show up exactly the same way every single time. Mm. And, uh, that doesn't sit well with people who are logic based and masculine energy based and need proof from the outside that something's happening. It takes a certain amount of suspending disbelief. So it really was a journey of, of trusting myself. Like I was exploring this idea that got awakened in me that I was exploring it through my art career. And I was like, wow, there's something going on here. And of course he's telling me the whole time, you're just crazy, you're crazy, you're crazy. It has nothing to do with that. You should just go get a job that makes more money because really we just want more money. And I'm like, no, there's something more interesting happening here that I would like to explore. So I spent a good 20 years um, with him. And um, let's see, probably um, if 
from 2000 forward to 2011, about 10, 11 years in this inquiry with greater and greater friction, of course, because it's something he doesn't understand. And I'm moving far and far, farther and farther away from what he wants, which is something predictable and controllable. Um, so there was a lot of friction in our relationship from that. And what I learned was that I was on the right path. I was on the path to um, understanding my inner guidance system for myself and for my children. And not to say that nothing he said had value, but more to say that something I said, something I felt in my body, like such a strong intuition had a lot of value and it was being discounted. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the fact that you actually identify that, which I know doesn't sound like, but I mean, a lot of us, when we have children, we can become quite unconscious. Well, I suppose, see, this is the thing, and you mentioned it in your book as well. It depends on how we're programmed ourselves and, and, and what our sole purpose is. And also the how our brain is wired. We're all going to act differently, I suppose. And that's why it's so hard to prove this because, I mean, we're so unique in the way we react to our triggers, um, especially around about that. You know, it depends on if we have backstories of um with the mother wound or with the father wound, they'll, they'll pan out in different ways for us. But I think the fact that you actually were conscious enough to tune in because sometimes we can be so overwhelmed with motherhood that that doesn't happen for a while, which I think was the way for me. I didn't kind of start looking at it until, even though I was on my spiritual path, I think I didn't start looking at this mother wound until teenage stage. Yeah, it, it definitely, um, it's a chaotic mess being a mother. Let's yeah. just say that. Yes. And, um, you know, the thing I, I, much of what I know right now is from retrospection on the, the journey. And all I know is that in the moment, I just kept pressing forward. It was very uncomfortable. I doubted myself. Um, it felt like I was navigating in the dark. And I just kept pressing forward because something was pulling me forth. And I was pulling forth and following that despite a lot of resistance in my relationship. And, um, and so I, because I'm a bit strident, I don't know if you see the red hair, but I'm just a bit strident and I don't like being told no. Yeah. And so I think those things really helped me out quite a bit because <laughs> I was like, you can't tell me what to do. And I just kept pressing into that space. Um, so I think that the other thing is that it's one thing to realize is when, when we're giving birth to a baby, like any mother is giving birth, what happens is it's actually um, also triggers and unleashes um, insecurities and traumas from tr your own childhood. So it, it, it's like um, an initiation of your own at the same time that you're birthing and giving, you know, this little human some life. Um, you're also um, getting in touch with your own inner child as the process of your child grows and witnessing, gosh, you know, this is, I don't want to repeat that pattern or here I see this happening because they're usually doing something right in front of you that's very similar to what you were doing when you were a child or experiencing. And you could feel inside yourself, like I could feel inside myself, um, patterns of my own mother coming forth. And that was really what informed me as, hey, I don't want to be like that. Like, um, for example, um, my mom and I were in a very tense situation when I was zero to five. It was a very um, 
uh, she was, she was being physically abused by my first stepfather. And so, um, that situation led to some control dynamics between her and I in order to prevent herself from getting physically abused. And um, so those patterns um, that got set in my early years and then noticing my mom also like myself had struggled with um, some big emotional, intense emotion ranges, like really intense swings of emotion. Um, I also went through that experience and um, so when I, when I had my own children, I thought, gosh, I don't want to be unpredictable for my kids. Like I need to bring it all in and be calm and grounded somehow, even if I'm raging on the inside, I will not rage at my kids. And, you know, I had my own journey with that because then that led to some disease in my body. I had a cyst on my ovary after, um, a but dozen years of, of suppressing my feelings yeah. um, because I didn't want to, to have my children experience a rageful, you know, mother and um, a mother out of control, like an unpredictable mother. So um, I think that we go through our own journeys, whatever our, the influence of our own childhood was and what, and what patterns. And of course, all the things that my mom went through, that was part of the mother wound too. Like being abused, physically abused by a husband, that's part of the mother wound. Um, you know, not being able to go provide for herself financially, that's part of the mother wound. Like needing a man, that's part of the mother wound. There's a lot of aspects of this that weave in. And we just have to give ourselves some grace, you know, as mothers that we're processing ancestral patterns that have been passed down for thousands of years and we're processing our own life's experiences and our own traumas and how it's touched our lives and give our mothers some grace as well but authentic grace which is why the book goes through um, some steps to really authentically claim your forgiveness for your mom and um, because of really knowing what she went through in order to raise you, what she was also contending with. Um, so there's a lot here. I just want to stop for a moment and see where you want to go. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And it's, it's such a huge topic. Uh, and, it, and it is such a huge topic. And that's why, you know, we could, we, we could have loads of interviews from this book. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, like, Another thing that I have my pointers here that I, I, I picked out that I suppose I loved that it's the way you speak there, of course, of course, our ancestral, but there's also the cultural, what, what, what culture defines for a woman, as well as what we have inherited. And I think that too, of course, will also trigger um, how we see ourselves as a woman when we start, um, when we start stepping into our own womanhood, when we go from the our different stages of life obviously and, and become a young woman how we what we do to get love or what we feel we should do to get love or what we what what program is running that particular part of our lives can be huge too um you know culture may if we look at it on instagram and not instagram is a lovely platform but we can look at the negative side of sometimes having us having women young girls look at it and boys you know for their for their muscles and all that looking at culture and how they think they should be, as well as instead of, should I say, the ancestral, the, the wisdom that we have innately about valuing ourselves. Um, you know, there isn't any initiations anymore for the most part. 
um, in the Western world, um, like for a girl to even know, you know, when she gets her first period, let's say that this is normal and this is okay. We've lost a lot of that um, wonderful part of the old culture. So if you could speak to a little bit about that culturally, maybe. Yeah, there's a tangled mess out there in terms yeah. of personal identity. Um, and finding yourself, I'll say that um, on my own part, I was quite taken aback, surprised by myself, because I started off um, going to college with, a, you know, I was insecure, I suppose, but I also went to, I chose a college that empowered women. So I went to Smith College, which is a college that um, empowers women to be critical thinkers and to, you know, be change makers in the world and go after their dreams. And that's the space that I was trained in for four years with a really good education. And then I moved out to California following my job and left my parents and moved in to get a job and started my working life. And pretty soon I met the man I would marry um, and spend 20 years with. And I found myself like that platform of, of knowing myself started eroding. And by the end of our marriage, I mean, I was what I would kind of lovingly classify as a Barbie doll. You know, I mean, I was getting my, my, my nails done with the, with the gel nails, you know, that kind of thing, like sitting there for hours, getting my nails done, getting my pedicure. Um, like this was a highlight of my week to go and, and sit there for hours, having them, um, put these things on my nails that were artificial and mind you like before when I was in college I was rock climbing <laughs> no, I would have never done that I was climbing rocks and um, belaying and uh, into my physical health um, so it just was such a radical shift you know that I can attribute to my environment and what what the people around me and I was saturated by um, this idea of like a woman being pampered looks like this. And, um, and I, you know, I was, I was overcome by this cultural predominant view that the men are the breadwinners. And, and even though I fought that, you know, still, um, but this idea that they're sort of, you know, in the, the upper hand in a way. And I didn't like that either. <laughs> so, but I kind of it was like, well, I'm, if you're rebelling against a system, you still believe in the system, you know? So I think that um, I had so many more options available to me. You know what I'm saying? Like I had so many more options available to me, but I, I fell into the predictable groove is what I'm trying to say. Well, that's interesting, actually. It's interesting that you went to a college that was quite empowering and that it's only by going through the, the you know, it, it, that it was almost as like as if marriage and having and becoming a parent was the trigger to disempowerment in a lot of ways. Am I getting that right from you? Yes, and actually, that's very perceptive of you. Um, what I've realized um, post first marriage, um, when my when my second husband asked me, I said, you know, the only way that I'm going to marry you is if we immediately go into plant medicine ceremony and start working at this spiritually because this marriage construct is no joke. This thing is ancient and it has a lot of energy in it. And all, a lot of that energy is about disempowering women. And I will not enter another contract like, contract like that. So if we're doing this, we're entering that conscious, wide awake, 
letting the medicine work it for us to clear it out. And then we're going to have some agreements. So I've been trained in the four agreements from uh, Don Miguel Ruiz and these Toltec teachings about, um, you know, the unconscious agreements we all make. And the pathway to freedom is to make conscious agreements. So we actually have a list of like 12 agreements that we that we plan our marriage by and we follow those agreements. Those are our agreements. It's not till death do us part. It is, this is how we are going to interact with each other. And the first one is our spiritual path is the most important thing to honor that above all things, because source is the number one um, priority in any person's life is their connection to source. And you got to do what that's asking you to do, even if it makes the other person unhappy. So um, that, you know, this, this is all new territory. And what's really interesting is that on a collective level, we've just shifted the balance so that um, there's a, there's a lot of younger souls on the planet that are learning lessons that have been learning lessons about success and what success means. And um, certainly I've, I've spent my own time in that, those lessons in this lifetime, but that, that amassing wealth and titles and status and all of this is like what many of them have been involved in. And we just shifted the balance into an older soul um, inquiry, which is relationships. So it just tipped over. So we're gonna start seeing some very different paradigms emerging in marriage which is great because we've kind of worn out this old construct and it, it's tripping us up from being our true authentic selves. Oh gosh, yes. So, oh my goodness, your words are, are hitting here. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> you know, that is, that's, and that, I think that's wonderful. I love those agreements myself and I think a marriage that is empowering both. And I mean, isn't that really what, you know, a solid relationship is, like the balanced scales of, of um, Libra? No, not Libra. Um, it is, is it? Yes. The, I think it is. Yeah. Yes, I think it is. I don't know why I got a blank there. You know, I mean, a relationship is about not one person powering over and the other being codependent. And um, I think the journey for a lot of women, they don't go into a marriage thinking like, like I look, look at yours, let's say you don't go into a marriage thinking, oh, um, this is it now. My life is over. Let's say you go in and you think there's going to be an equal partnership, but most of the time anyway. And I think just life battles you down, doesn't it? And and I, and I want to go back to another thing you said there and in your book as well about as well as the new ch the new souls that are on the earth, as we as women teach our sons and daughters a new way of being, then a new generation of children can rise to embody healed masculine and feminine energies and to lift women as sacred conduits of divine creation. I just loved that piece as well. <laughs> yeah, and I want to say to anybody right now who's experiencing a moment of self-judgment, like oh no, I've already screwed up. My kids are grown or my kids are already in process and I really screwed it up and there's no going back. Just take a deep breath because like <clears throat> we've all been there. I mean, what I really want to speak to that because you were asking me a question about this earlier. I want to speak to, um, you know, the soul's curriculum and yeah. talk about agreements between souls actually. So there's nothing amiss in whatever's happened up until now in your parenting. There's absolutely nothing amiss, even if you feel you royally screwed up. It's nothing amiss because um, your child also is a soul, a divine sovereign soul who chose to come in to this lifetime with you as a mother, with your spouse as a parent, as a father, 
and um, chose to have that experience, uh, whatever it might bring, knowing that it was going to bring some certain qualities that you've already experienced that you could identify. So, um, you know, there's infinite choices happening every single day. And so there's no fixed timelines in terms of exactly what you're going to experience, but there are general um, markers for the things that will be experienced in order to set the framework and the, and the constructs in the, in the child's consciousness for the Dharma work that they're going to be doing later in life. So the, the pattern set in childhood set the karma attraction mechanism going so that the child can start attracting the karma that they need to, that they really want to grapple with in this lifetime, that they want to, they want to experience and, and work their way through like a puzzle. And that will lead them into their Dharma work on the other side of that, of that working through it. So they actually intentionally, each of us intentionally comes in to experience exactly the patterns that we experienced in our early childhood. And that's the canvas that then we're playing with as we, you know, create the new artwork of our lives. It's that initial basis. So we have to have somewhere to start. And that's why we do it. That's why it's done this way. So there isn't any, you know, reason to guilt or shame yourself for decisions you made before you became conscious because you were just the pawn of the universe, you know, to give your child the, uh, the starting canvas that they needed for their life's journey. So just take a breathe and sigh of relief that it was all part of the plan. Okay, Karen, and, I think that you put that so well. Oh my God, I think I'm definitely going to have to go back and listen to those words because <laughs> I think that's wonderful because like as a coach myself as well, I, you know, so many women are stuck in their second chakras. It's the guilt and the shame and it's the guilt and the shame sometimes for, oh my God, yeah. Um, and you've just given us um, a proper understanding that, you know what, we, we all have we all have come in with these soul contracts and it isn't really whilst you know whilst we, we and we always have a choice obviously but that it's not all our fault so I think that's just a wonderful piece to have given someone yeah especially since I don't know about the people listening or yourself but I sure did get the message that it's all my fault quite a bit in my life you know from my family and my kids, my husband, um, even my mom, you know, like I got that message tons of times that it was all my fault. <laughs> um, how can it be all my fault? You know, when I'm just one person in the dynamic, like everybody's got to take their equal share. And this is where, you know, and the, I talk about this in the book, but a lot of people are talking about empath and narcissist and, you know, I'm an empath and I feel things deeply. And then this person's just a narcissist and they're just, they won't admit anything wrong. And, and so there's all of these labeling going on. And, and I really want to say that this is a lot of this is wounding, you know, it's trauma and wounding and how we. Um, process that wounding, how we protect and defend ourselves against being hurt again. And uh, so these are just patterns that are running through the collective. And certainly, yes, there are patterns where um, you could call it narcissistic, narcissistic, where people who are, who are suffering from that pattern don't want to claim any responsibility for anything, and they want to blame somebody else. And the easy scapegoat, a lot of times, is the woman, because the, the culture is already set up to blame women for everything. And there's there's huge religious institutions whose whole premise is that everything is a woman's fault. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're kind yeah. of, we're kind of up against it right now, you know, like with these ideas that it's all a woman's fault. 
Absolutely. You know, I talked about that in a, in, a, in a podcast I think I did recently as well, or a blog maybe that I wrote about it even going back to like in, our, in the mythology of the Garden of Eden. You know, it starts back all that way. Oh, yes, it's the woman's fault. <laughs> it's the woman's fault because she got curious and she wanted to explore. And it's like, okay, but that's actually the divine feminine energy within you. So that whole parable is about let's do the masculine energy because it's predictable and we can set goals. And, you know, guess what? Also the masculine energy is tied to the mind. And what is that tied to the ego? And so let's just prefer all things ego Mm -hmm. and let's avoid anything to do with the feminine energy, which is, you know, all about the wandering and the mystery. And Oh, by the way, the divine, (laughs) let's just leave the divine up there in the sky and let's just do our human thing down here so we can see how well that's worked out really (laughs) has it worked out very well to leave the divine out of the conversation absolutely and i love that we're having this this conversation around a time when we are stepping more into the you know, and I hate saying the age of Aquarius in some ways because, well, we know what it is dawning or whatever, but like with the planets moving and more planets moving into Aquarius, I mean, we can see it panning out in the world around us, this new freedom, this new sovereignty, you know, where we can see it in the systems first, um, even if we can't see it at a, a personal level, we can look out and see, gosh, you know, as I'm trying to explain it, let's say to my son in some some level, you know, you can see that these patriarchal ways haven't worked. And now, you know, where you can see how people, the people are more wanting freedom and that's, it's showing up in the world around us. Yeah. And then the step to take is to bravely, courageously follow your heart because your heart is, is, is teaching you from the divine feminine and your heart's leading you and it's not going to lead you the path that anybody else has walked. So you're going to have to trust that it's leading you in the direction that's perfect for you, which I understand is a big leap of faith because I've taken that leap of faith many times over and over. And that's the path that leads to the greatest joy. So um, conformity is a thing of the past, you know, conformity, this idea or this desire for conformity has led to so much suffering on the planet. And um, I'll just take a piece out of um, White Eagle's teachings from the second wave book here, where the new paradigm really is the understanding that you are a unique thumbprint. So if you look at your thumbs, you know that your thumbs have this thumbprint that are unique, like nobody ever before has had that thumbprint. That's why they use it to identify people. And nobody ever will have it in the future. So it's a one-time thing. That means that if you extrapolate it, you're in a thumbprint suit, like you slip on this, this identity, this lifetime, this experience, it's a one-time deal. You're, nobody will ever experience this again. So if you ignore the uniqueness of this vessel and you just try to conform to things outside of you to get love from other people, you'll never discover all of the hidden treasures of your thumbprint suit, they'll just go undiscovered and they'll just go undiscovered forever because you'll never be again. This, this design, this life design will never happen again. So it's, it's really an invitation to step into the discomfort of really your reptilian brain because what's afraid of you not conforming? Well, the reptilian brain 
the reptilian brain that's an ancient brain that remembers like if I don't go along with the tribe I'm going to get kicked out and then the wolves are going to get me you know that's that's enforced conformity out of survival right but we're not living that anymore we're not we're not at that stage of human consciousness anymore we're we're not fighting for our lives on a daily basis most of us there's still people in the world that are that are living that reality most of us are not so especially in the Western world, we are not living that reality. So that's just um, the opportunity here is to embrace your unique journey and follow your heart and be cor- courageous about that and know that maybe along the way you'll have points of connection with other people, which is delightful. And this whole process is leading you to a spiritual awakening because the spiritual awakening requires full alignment to the divine. It requires you to fully know that the only source of your good is the divine. And it it might show up as other people from time to time. It might show up as a beautiful relationship. It might show up as prosperity, a new job. But ultimately, it's the divine that's providing that. It's not the people. So it's like really aligning back to the divine. I love that. Kerry, I would have to say I definitely would recommend your book for people to read. Um, There's so much in it. I mean, there's so much on so many levels. Um, It's definitely a book that personally, I think that I will take up time and time again. And as I probably maybe even read the same bit again, I will take something on a deeper level from it because it just covers so and it's but it's very easy to read as well. It's very easy to relate to. And I think that every woman woman in the world will relate to it in some particular way or another. Can you let people know how they can get hold of the of your books and your other books, this book and the other books that you have? Absolutely. Well, the the best starting place is my website, carriehummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com. And that has links to all the books and to my programs. And um, the Mother Wound book actually launched with a series of interviews with uh, 17 women talking about a range of topics, like just, (laughs) we had such profound discussions. Those are available um, on download. So um, when you sign up at motherwoundbook.com, that's motherwoundbook.com, you'll actually start to receive all those interviews day after day for 17 days. It's profound to keep, get your, your mind, you know, like seeing these patterns and, and thinking about these possibilities outside of your, your current conditioning and, you know, opens up some new potentials. Well, that's for sure, Kerry. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast and I'm looking forward to sharing the conversation with people and I will be sharing it more than once, that's for sure, with all the deep <clears throat> gems of wisdom you've given us. Kerry, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you, Dolores. We'll talk to you again.